0: Hey. We were uh,
1: Hey, we were watching you swear at your computer, and hey. you, think, you didn't know we could hear or see you. It was uh-huh.
2: <laughs> yeah, figuring out technology. I actually forgot my computer, so this is foreign to me. But Where are you at right now? Uh, Auburn, California.
1: You're never in Minneapolis. I similar. know.
2: Yeah, I just got in yesterday. We're in way too cool tomorrow. I you kind travel of heard... a ton? Lately, Yeah, uh, I was in Chile three days ago.
0: That's what Kirk said. Yeah. Was it pretty awesome down there?
2: Yeah. Patagonia is like the most beautiful place I've ever been or seen. Um, Santiago was really interesting because there's like a lot of civil unrest and protesting and rioting. So we kind of walked through the wrong neighborhood and got like tear gassed. (laughs)
1: Really? Really? Just like, why why would they tear gas random people
2: running? We, no, I just, we were walking and we like, there was like a place you're supposed to avoid, but we were kind of, there's a ton of graffiti and it's actually like really pretty. we're kind of just like wandering, wandering, wandering. And then all of a sudden we're in the town square and it's like tear gas is like flying at you. And people are like running with gas masks. And I was like, oh, shit, we'll (laughs) we'll go the other way. Yeah, I think it's like just an aggressive government. The people weren't really doing anything. They were literally like banging wood spoons on pans like to a beat. They weren't like violent. I don't know.
1: Could you imagine if like the Minneapolis Police Department just randomly tear gas Like areas in which they were unhappy with.
2: Well, it's like they had like the big old shield, like combat gear, and there were like these fire trucks were like spraying people. It was crazy.
0: Did you stick around to experience it, or did you bail? We
2: hung. I mean, we hung out on the outskirts of it, and just I actually like we didn't really know. I think they were protesting because the public transportation fares went up, but it wasn't like a violent protest by any. It was just weird.
1: I guess the, the uh, tear gas would keep it from getting violent, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. It's a little preemptive tear gassing. Right. Or
0: ensure that the next protest is violent. Or yeah,
1: yeah, totally. That would happen. Yeah. Uh, it seems like you're never in Minnesota. Do you work anymore these days, or what are you doing?
2: I worked overnight two nights ago. So I flew in. I got in from Miami at 4 p.m., worked 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., then flew to California at 8 a.m. But um, I have a weird gig. I'm a hospitalist, so... January, I worked 12 straight overnights and that's enough to kind of cover almost, that's like almost two months of work. So I usually just work a ton and travel.
1: So you're working like 12 hour days or more, I Yeah, suppose, huh? so I
2: work overnight. So yeah, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Just usually do like 10 in a row. I think a full time for me right now is I cut down to, I was full time, I cut down to three quarter time this year. So okay. If I do like seven or eight of those in a month, that's a whole month of work.
1: Okay, because you're you're an internist, is that right?
2: Yeah, ho- hospitalist is, so I like just take care of sick people inside the hospital.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah, well, I guess that's an all right setup. I remember I texted you one day to go for a run, <laughs> and you had some down, you were like running on the treadmill in the hospital between patients, like you were hustling to get it in?
2: Yeah, that happens on some of those. Sometimes I just... It's weird. So like my full year, I think, is like 90 to 100 shifts, but you can do double shifts. So sometimes after a long race, I'll just work like seven doubles in a row, which is like a 16 hour day or something. And then, but it's 14 shifts. So it's like a fifth of my year of work.
0: Are you a master now at just being fatigued or is that kind of how you're wired?
2: Uh, Both. I think I've rewired myself to function on very little sleep. I've always had, it's weird, like, if you know what, like, mania is, like, weird manic spells where you just go get shit done, and then yeah. I'll crash, like, I get to Miami before we went to South America, after way, I worked, and didn't sleep, and didn't take care of myself, and then I slept 16 hours, my brother's like, what the hell, like, because I was visiting him, and I, like, just never came out of the bedroom.
1: Man, I wish I could be that way, I need, like, I can't, I can't go more, like, if I get six hours sleep one night... If I'm not getting eight hours the next, I am a piece of shit. That yeah. next, like, there's no way. There's no way.
2: I think my norm is just kind of feeling like a piece of shit, and then like when I actually <laughs> do sleep, I feel great. So that makes sense. Why? So, so
1: Justin was like ten minutes late to hop on this podcast because he needed his coffee, yeah. And that situation hadn't been taken care of yet. So that's mm-hmm. like your lifeline, huh? It,
2: it is definitely a dependency. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that.
0: So my first question off your sleep is how does that impact your overall training volume? Oh,
2: I mean, it definitely, I'll, it's usually in hindsight, like I'll be out plan like a 20, 26 mile run or something. I'll be like 10 miles and I'll be like, holy cow, I feel awful. A lot of like, it's either sleep deprivation or I just forgot to eat for the last like 20 hours. Cause sometimes (laughs) you like, don't feel hungry when you like, if I have a really busy shift, I'll go from six PM to six AM and not sit down and not like if I do like twenty admissions, it's just like rapid fire and then I go home. It's like pass forced out.
0: ketosis almost.
2: Yeah, and then pass out for a few hours, and then try to run, and then I'm like up. Oh. So actually now. I'll, like, carry gels no matter how far I'm running (laughs) because you never know. It's like my snack. It's kind of sad. It's gross. It's a terrible snack. But it's like...
1: (laughs) So we were just talking on our last podcast. So you carry gels as, like, a safety plan. We carry toilet paper as a safety plan on our runs, you know, just in case. Definitely. Yeah, so the runs where you feel like shit on, you know, those are the runs I see in your Strava where you're running, like, 6.15 pace. Those are the (laughs) runs you feel like shit on, right? And then the good runs you're running like 540 pace. Is that right? Because that's what I'm seeing lately. It's usually,
2: sadly or funny enough, I'm like running late to work, so I just have to run as fast as I can to get it in.
0: Do you adjust your training based on your doubles or do you kind of just train as you can? Train as I can. I
2: actually, I just switched coaches. Um, Mario Fraley coached me for a few years. He's a great coach. And he's like a really, he's one of my best friends. And for me, my life is weird. It's complicated, but he like would try to lower my intensity. Cause he knew I was in like the ring of fire of work. And I didn't really like that. so i I'm like, let's just keep it up and I'll recover when I recover. And he's a phenomenal coach. He still like guides me, tells me a lot of stuff to do. And I always ask him, pre- like I'm racing tomorrow. So I'll ask him pre-race advice. But, uh, I switched to someone that like, doesn't know me as well. And they're just like, here it is. Good luck. <laughs> I kind of like that rationale.
1: No matter what you have going on in your life, it's like this is the plan. Yeah. yeah do it. Stick to it. <laughs> I wanna dive into your racing actually, but I wanna tell the people. So we are we're chatting with Justin Grunwald today. Um, and Justin, we've actually never met in yeah. person. Do you wanna tell do you wanna tell the people how how you and I know each other? Yeah, just, yeah. just a
2: couple of Strava assholes, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> we're like meat grinder best friends. Meat grinder best. Don't don't misconstrue <laughs> what that means. <laughs> yeah,
1: meat grinder best friends doesn't sound like you think it does. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: you guys met on Grinder, right?
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. So probably the best trail place to train in Southern Minnesota, in my opinion, is Afton Alps. It's, beautiful you can get some vert and actually and that's kind of my respite when i'm home it's like a half hour drive and actually on the way home my favorite brewery is called barrel theory it's in st paul so i just pop in there grab some crowlers or beers or whatever but uh i kind of became ocd maybe ocd on some like segments out there a while ago i ran like the afton 50k and grabbed a bunch of Segments doing that.
1: You have the trail. You have the record for the Afton 50k, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Record. Yeah, no yeah. big deal. That's a legit 50k. You're probably. I bet you out there. You're covering three, eh, three four thousand feet of vert on some yeah. pretty like legit terrain, right? Yep.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So keep.
2: Yeah. So Afton, it's my favorite place to train in southern. I guess central southern Minnesota. Um, go out there all the time. Great trails. Get some vert and actually, yeah, I think a ten mile run you can get fifteen hundred feet, which in mountains is nothing, but for us, it's a big deal.
1: As good as it gets in Minnesota, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah,
2: but all of a sudden, I think late last summer, early fall, get an email like the, uh-oh, you suck email from Strava, and it said Kirk had grabbed my, I think he grabbed a couple of segments, but I like the meat grinder segment because it's actually like, it's pretty technical terrain. It's pretty good um, climb. It's not a huge climb. I think it's probably like two or 300 feet from the river up, but mm-hmm. uh I was like, oh, this asshole <laughs> grabbed my segment. I knew who you were, obviously. but um. So I think I just went out the next day and did like a 10, 15-mile run and made sure I ran that stretch extra hard. You stole it back. And then I think a week later, all of a sudden I get the email again, and we just had a little <laughs> late summer back and forth until it was – I think my last time getting it back, it was like dark and leaf-filled and roll your ankle 10 times. And it's like, probably – probably going to kill me if I try it again. The epicness
1: of meat grinder. So meat grinder is the segment on Strava people. It's not some weird thing we're into or anything in <laughs> Personal lives. Uh, the great thing about it is it's like the only like technical segment of trail we have that's kind of aggressive and then flattens out and then it's aggressive. And then it's just like slow burn, like 5% yeah. grade finisher, where after you've already climbed 200 feet and your legs are blown out, you have to go back into like five minute pace effort to yeah. win that segment when you're already like smoked and I remember I emptied my tank on that second second time through I was like I think this is all I got and we both throw it into mid long runs I think I'd done like a 20 mile long yeah. run but I was milking that last two minutes into the trailhead you know to recover but I was like man I don't know what else I have in me that day and then freaking five days later you go and <laughs> Beat it by three seconds, and I was like, I don't even know if I could. I should try again because my ego can't take it.
2: <laughs> I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to try again either. We can go get it together, see if it'll give us the same time.
0: Bracken, and want to come? Uh, may, I don't know because I've I don't have like this happy ending to any of my Strava <laughs> segment chases. I've never become friends with someone that has taken this. <laughs> I, I get upset. I get so happy when I take a crown, and as soon as someone takes mine, I like I have so much animosity towards them. So. Except for, I think you, Kirk, you're you're probably the only guy that I've gone back and forth on any amount over at, uh, what's it called? Um, Highland. Highland. Yeah. Yeah. You still have
1: one descent record, which I think you threw your watch down the hill and that's how you got it.
0: (laughs) There's one type of descent, Justin, that I can run well. And it's very steep and very technical. That's it. And there is one descent like that there. And so my heart and soul will be poured into maintaining that segment.
2: Well, I suck on descent, so you're safe for me. Good.
0: Don't go to Highland Ski Hill. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Justin, I want to. You know, I want. I want to jump in later into the Brave Lake Gabe Foundation and your and your late wife Gabe. But first, I want to. I want to jump into you, man. I, I would love to get. You know, I know there's a lot of focus on the foundation and everything, and that's rightfully so. And obviously, it's a great cause, but. I don't know a whole lot about like you and your running, you know, background, I know a little bit and kind of what you're focusing on, but uh, I think the people also want to know what yeah what you got going on that way. So you have a race tomorrow. Let's start with that. What are you racing?
2: Yeah. So actually I kind of wrote the race off, but way too cool. 50 K um, it's in cool, California. It's a race. I tried to register, I think is my first trail race ever four years ago, but I didn't get selected in the lottery. And then, I actually signed up for it last year, but Gabriel wasn't feeling well. So I skipped it. I got in last year and then this year I'd entered again, got in the lottery and then decided I wasn't going to run it because I was just in South America and busy. And I ran a hundred K that had a little bit of a disappointing finish for me in January. So I was like, I'll just focus everything on Lake Sonoma 50 mile. That's like a month from now. But I was coming out here with my coach to do a week at Lake Sonoma and it just so happened I was going to have like a 20 to 30 mile long run this weekend. And I was like, I'm in way too cool. It's a two hour drive. Like just go give it hell. It's super fast. It's got like 5,000 feet of elevation loss and gain over the 50 K, but it's like those smooth California trails. And it's kind of like, I think three or four or five years ago, a group of kind of road runners ran it and ran really fast, like 3:0 something. something. Um, so it's of course you can run a lot of like six minute pace on and it's cool because it has five thousand feet of gain and loss. So I just wanna see what I can do. It's supposed to be pretty muddy and wet, so it should be a fun day.
0: That that trail system you described would be my least favorite thing to run ever. Gradual <laughs> really? smooth up and down hills. Yeah, yep. it's
2: it's like probably it's pretty close to road, but very flowy. I think there's one climb over two miles that's twelve hundred feet, but that's the majority of the climb. No, it'll hurt. Yeah.
1: yeah, you did. I mean, I was just watching your Strava. You've been doing like this last week, though. Like You've still been putting in some miles, right? Like, I wouldn't say this is a strong taper you're going in. with. No,
2: no taper. I don't really yeah. believe in taper. I don't. I'm <laughs> trying to. So I'm training through to Sonoma. But yeah, actually, last week, I don't even know what day it is today. But the week before this week, I think with hiking and running in Patagonia, I got in around 160 miles, which is crazy high. That's a big week. Yeah. So I, I was like I'm completely shot and then I did a little workout and felt great. Um, I was just in Miami again on my way back and did some mile repeats and felt pretty smooth. So I was like let's do way too cool.
1: If I came off 160 mile a week I would be I would be on crutches. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to be running fast mile repeats.
2: Everything hurt for a while and then it kind of just went away and feeling good. I mean maybe I'll crash and burn, maybe I'll
0: have a great day. Doesn't yeah. really make a difference to me. Are you a pretty high responder? to volume and intensity and things like that
2: I think so yeah so yeah my last week was great I think I got in without the hiking I got in like 100 and 510 miles running and around 15,000 feet of vert Um, so lots of hours and then like 10 to 13 mile hikes a day with another like three four thousand feet of vert each hike with a pack on so some strength training (laughs) that'll do it
1: you're making me feel like I'm not
2: doing enough (laughs) that was a big week It, it was fun but uh i think i respond well to um high mileage i think i've actually just been running like you said my, i run too fast all the time because i want to move up to 100 mile i want to do some crazy long stuff i gotta like learn to run a little slower it's hard to do isn't it it, it is i mean it's it is <clears throat> so if you're in a position like that you came
1: off a big week and now you got another race do you have like a like a like a patch job taper, like going into it? Like how would you freshen your legs up for a race if you're coming off high mileage? What are you doing?
2: Honestly, just as simple as yesterday I ran six miles really slow, but uh day before I only ran five miles. They're both travel days, but really just trying to get some turnover the week of like I did three by mile. Actually, I didn't know it was spring break. So I'm like running down Fort Lauderdale beach dodging like drunk girls and boys and ubers <laughs> it was terrible <laughs> but just got some turnover going and decided it felt good so I decided to come out. i was gonna be out here anyway so I just decided to switch my hotel from uh like napa area to cool or auburn i guess and this is on the western states course which is a race i really want to run so i've actually never stepped foot on the course so get in 50k on see about a third of the course
0: not, not to skip ahead to that. I think we'll get to that later. But you, you said you're you're putting more eggs in a in a fifty mile basket later, or is that a hundred k you're doing in a two months?
2: Fifty mile at Lake Sonoma. Okay, at it's Sonoma, a...
0: are you trying to punch a ticket? Yeah. Yep. Awesome. So I tried to punch Ooh. a
2: ticket at Bandera, and I call it crash and burn. But around, I think I was sitting in like fourth, fifth. A guy named Drew Holman, he's awesome. He won it. We were just running together, basically, probably through sixty to sixty five k. Then on a descent, I had a nasty ankle roll and kind of walked a few miles, shook it out. I ended up finishing, which was fine, but it was annoying. <laughs> but that happens. I mean, it's life.
1: Yeah. Are you familiar with uh, Chris Brown? Do you know yeah. who that is? Yeah. He's, uh, he's one of the uh, ultra guys that made the shift to Spartan this last year. Um, and I bet you somehow him and I find each other in races, especially when we got elevation. It's like he's either he's usually reeling me in halfway through the race. And passing me on some climb on some sort of gas. But he made the jump to Spartan, which we both do. I'm I assuming you've never done. Haven't, I've bit it
2: more. They've gotten more into trails. So I've been following it a lot more recently.
1: Um, yeah. They're going to suck a lot of you fast guys in. And pretty soon you're going to be carrying sandbags
2: around. You watch <laughs> I'm not strong enough for that stuff.
0: <laughs> but I have a question for you. So uh, do you run for anyone footwear wise? So no,
2: not, I guess, technically no. Um, Brooks running has been they were gabriel's sorry i'm kind of this message thing keeps going off so i finally silenced it but brooks running has uh they sponsored gabriel her whole mm-hmm. career so from 2012 or 2011 to 2019 um and they've been phenomenal i guess i didn't silence it so can you hear that beep no uh, it's no conflicts. oh okay as long as you can't hear it yeah we can't hear it cool there's like these weird messages that comes in so brooks running sponsored gabriel for eight years And they've done a lot for the foundation. Uh, Jim Weber, he's actually a University of Minnesota grad. He's the CEO of Brooks Running. Um, They're launching in June uh, Brave Like Gabe's Shoe, where all the proceeds go to the foundation. It's a Brooks Launch Shoe base. And it's pretty sweet. I've gotten the prototype for that. But I try to run in their stuff. They just had a new prototype trail shoe come out. That's pretty awesome. Their stuff was really lagging in the trails before, Mm. but this one's stepped up. But I'm a free agent in that regard. I do have some different brands have done like nice things for the foundation. So like Sufferfest is a brewery Mm -hmm. out of San Francisco. Like they make beer for athletes. They Caitlin is the CEO. They donated $5,000 right after Gabriel passed away to the foundation. So like, I feel, I don't feel like obligations to them, but I feel in not really even indebted, but grateful to them. So
0: like kind of repping some of those, Cool. Brands that have been really good is what I try to do. So I, I asked because I'm a giant shoe geek, but oh, for, yeah. for a, a race like you have coming up with 5,000 feet of vert and loss and kind of more of that like fire roadie, hard pack, smooth, what, yeah. what are you going to be wearing for that?
2: It'll be between the Brooks Catamount, um, which is that new prototype.
0: Is that based off the Hyperion Tempo or anything like that?
2: It's not. It's, um, do you know, I call it like, a, do you know the Hoka Challenger? Mm-hmm. So it's like a Hoka Challenger Speedgoat hybrid. Is oh, what I so kind it's it's beefy. It's a little more beefy. Not cool. so it's the Speedgoat's like that big thick sole. Mm-hmm. So it's more of the smaller sole Challenger, but a similar bottom plate, and it's really comfortable. I mean, actually, it's been my go-to winter shoe. It's been great. Okay.
0: Well, Challenger got me into Hoka. So. Oh
2: yeah. I like so I'll either that. run in that or the Challenger. It kind of depends on the mud. The Brooks one kind of sucks up a little more mud than the Challenger. So. It's supposed to rain a lot so we'll see
1: what part of california is it in
2: cool um so just auburn california like right where western states ends right outside of sacramento kind of
0: okay yeah so it can get wet up there yeah when does that when does that prototype hit the market
2: i don't even know um i think soon i think this cycle cool so sometime in the next couple months we'll have to look out for that one yeah it's they've gotten made fun of a little because it's white, so mine are brown. <laughs> I don't know. Making a white trail shoe.
1: So I've been so I've been seeing you've been chasing a few FKTs on Strava, Justin. Like all over the place. And you recently so the base of our listeners are probably obstacle course racing athletes. We're starting to get some running following, but uh, you went out to Hawaii and did the Kalalao
2: Trail. Yeah, whoever can say that.
1: Yeah, and so the previous FKT record holder was Sir Ryan Atkins. I'm not sure if you listeners have heard of him. He also happened to win Jacksonville last week. Uh, you stole Ryan Atkins' FKT, which is kind of speaking to the caliber of runner Justin is. Uh, and I believe it was like a four, three, four hour FKT, right? Something like that.
2: Yeah, I think he had like 357. I think I ran like 343 or something.
1: Oh, so you crushed him.
2: <laughs> it's a, it's very condition dependent, I would say, that trail.
0: I've read up on that trail a little bit. I've read two different race reports. One was just hot and sunny, and the other one was a downpour day.
2: Yeah, so the funny, actually, if you want to hear the dramatic story of it. Yes. So myself, Billy Yang, mm-hmm. um, this was actually a project that got set up. It'll be released
0: in the coming month, I think. I just got into Billy Yang last year f- for. Uh, oh, really? when I was prepping for my first ultra, trail ultra. I started watching his stuff while I was on the treadmill trying to get Vert in.
2: Yeah, his YouTube stuff is great. Yeah, or, yeah he's, he's a great so dude So
0: if you're listening, check out Billy Yang if you haven't yet.
2: He's a sweetheart. But uh, so we went out to Kauai and Sally McRae, who is a ultra running female, she was going to come and go for the women's FKT but her kids got sick. So she stayed home. Um, last minute, Amanda Basham, who's a, another woman trail running, um, stud. She came last minute. I think she booked her flight like the day before and she was adamant about not going for the FKT, but Billy and I convinced her too. So I think we got in, went for a jog. Then the next morning she's going to go for the FKT completely blind on the trail. And I was going to support her. Um, to see the trail. So then I knew what I was gonna be up against like two or three days later. So it's, the GPS is awful in there. It's supposedly 20 to 22 miles. I don't know exactly how far it is, but the night before I had a few beers as I tend to do, probably had one too many. And then we set out our packs and go, I had like two liters on my back, a hand bottle, she had a hand bottle and we didn't bring electrolytes, which is the stupidest thing ever. So you wake up, it's 82 degrees, 90% humidity. You take the little shuttle to the trailhead and set off like eight miles in there's a lot of creek crossings but it's very it's not very technical it's very runnable but scary ridgelines are like running on the edge of the world with 300 foot drop to your death it's called like crawler's ledge but i'm she's a really good descender and i'm not a great descender um i'm a great climber not great climber but i'm a decent climber um so I'm easy on the climbs, and descending, she's like dropping me and <laughs> I'm trying to keep right. up. But we get to the halfway point, it's like 11 miles and there's a waterfall and I'm my pack's out and I haven't really drank any water cause I'm trying to ration it for her cause I'm supporting her. But my legs are already cramping like I've never experienced in my life. Like I can see like the striations in my muscles popping out constantly. And like, I'm struggling to take steps. <laughs> so I'm like, How far in is this already happening? Halfway or the furthest point away. And there's no exit the, the whole way. There's no exit. You have to oh. just
1: turn around and come back. Turn around and come back
2: out. Yeah. Back. There's like three helicopter pads that you can lay down in and <laughs> hope someone sees you. And there's not many people <laughs> out there at all. So we get to halfway. I'm like, I'm feeling terrible. There's a waterfall. I literally fill my hand bottle five times and chug it from the waterfall we start back up a long ascent and I sit down on a rock and I'm like, Hey, like you got to go. Like my legs are cramping so bad. I can't take a step." And it was like horrible. My quads were just like, you could see like every muscle just rippling out of them. And she's like, no, I'll like hang out with you. And I'm like, no, like here's the rest of the goose. Like we don't have any water. Good luck. So she's on FKT pace. I literally sit on this rock I like lay down and I take like a 15 minute nap and I'm like I'm not going to get out of here. <laughs> I'm like I hope she comes back after.
1: Oh man. And this is 2 days before you then go back and set the FKT on the same trail.
2: It ended up being 3 days cuz the one day got rained out. Jeez. But yeah, so no, I'm like I'm not running this FKT. How you like, make it back? So laid there, woke up 15 minutes later, puked out all the water I just drank from that waterfall. Which is probably better for you okay? long <laughs> projectile vomited like five times and then <laughs> sat there it took me six hours to walk the 10 miles out so I, I didn't make it back in any so a mile of like hobble walking with continued horrible cramping there's an orange tree that probably like saved my life so i have my empty handheld and there's an orange tree i'm throwing it at oranges <laughs> knocking them out of the tree. <laughs>
1: You're all by yourself. Like you could be, you could die out here, right? Yeah. I mean, it was,
2: it was scary. Like I, my options were I was going to try to find a helicopter pad and hope like a helicopter eventually came or (laughs) it was very humbling. I ended up just getting to a Creek crossing and drinking more water, but the the lack of electrolytes, even Amanda, the last two miles, she like cramped horribly and she like really struggled. Like she said, she was like grunting her diaphragm, like, so there's like hikers the first two miles, then the next like nine miles are pretty isolated because you are you need a special permit to cross into that area. Um, but yeah, I got back. Billy has some sad looking pictures of me where I look like. I was like just laying on the sidewalk and people, are, I wasn't okay.
1: Okay, I have two questions. First of all, you taking some strong antibiotics after drinking that crappy water? Did I just make sure you didn't get sick?
2: I was terrified. No, but there's like not parasitic nothing no i didn't take anything thankfully i didn't get sick um amanda dipped her handhelds in it too she didn't get sick it's pretty clean because there's not many animals because it's such a it's so it's like just cliffside streams but yeah didn't get sick i've gotten lucky with that i got lucky in patagonia too i came i'm an idiot i like never packing so i was drinking out all sorts of streams in patagonia (laughs) and i'm still not sick we'll see what's growing. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. There's something inside of me, but yeah. So very humbling experience, and it's funny because Sufferfest is actually who sent us out there, and I like mockingly kind of joked with them that for me, there's not really any suffering in running. Like I love running; it's beautiful, and it's a gift to get to do. But I suffered out there. I was, and I was like, I came to the point where I was okay, I was like, if this is it. Like, at least it's a beautiful place. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who in their right mind goes back three days later? How on earth do you get your freaking body ready to do that effort in FKT fashion? Our listeners know how fast Ryan Atkins is, okay? So we know, like, you didn't go out there and just walk. And he's a descender. And he's a descender. How do you get your body ready in, after that shit show? Oh,
2: a little less beer the night before. Brought a lot of electrolytes. Um, I don't know. I... Even, so I got, so the day I was going to do it, there's this huge river. If it rains at all, the trail's closed. You can't cross this river. It's like we're talking, people get swept into the ocean and die. So if you're out there and it rains, you're stuck, you're like trapped on the other side. So they're like, bring rations of food in case you get stuck. (laughs) But um, so we were going to go, it was closed. So when I went, it was super muddy and sloppy and Billy had me bring a GoPro and even like Billy and Amanda jogged a few miles out to try to record. But I was just like two miles in. I'm like, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a day, but like, there's probably no shot at the FKT, but it just is it kind of like one of those special days where you just feel really, really, really good the whole way. So I got halfway. I was like, I'm 15 minutes under pace, like just keep going. And um, I finished and felt great compared like, it's night and day i don't know how to describe it but maybe some supernatural beings <laughs> helping me out or what i don't know that's crazy i
1: uh, yeah i always feel great after projectile vomiting and <laughs> and cramping fully so it makes sense to me
0: I, i've had two times where i cramped really badly like you're talking quads locking out you know yeah
2: DM. you can't step
0: but it was it took three or four days before i could like walk up and down stairs without pain be- so I, I'm shocked you were able to just attack again.
2: Yeah, no, I like my quad. Like the next day, I couldn't do any. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know.
1: I would have probably been heavily considering just having more beers and staying off the trails the rest of my vacation.
2: I was praying for rain, so I was like, when it got canceled, that we only had like one day left, and I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> I don't have to do it.
1: <laughs> Aren't you glad you did though?
2: I am. Yeah. No, it was, and it's honestly a trail I'd recommend everyone. Experience in their life because it's so beautiful. Yeah. Well, now you've got my interest peaked. Yeah,
0: it's it's fun. I'm gonna bring nutrition. Yeah, bring a lot of nutrition and bring a lot of electrolytes. Yeah. So part part of your your FKT pursuit, that's part of the foundation, right? That's part one of the the missions or ways of building awareness. Correct.
2: Yeah. It's weird. Um. So my like, I guess I'm the president and CEO of Brave Like Gabe, which I'm not qualified to be. I'll say that over and over. But we have a board of two amazing females that actually know how to run foundations and do things. So every day I'm like, will you guys just be the president and CEO and I'll be like the idiot that goes and runs FKTs. (laughs) But when I go do like runs and fun (laughs) stuff like that, it motivates people to donate a lot of money. And it also, so we raise money for rare cancer, which is super important. And then more importantly, I guess we spread, my mission is kind of to spread hope, I guess, um, which sounds simple and, or not, it doesn't sound simple. It sounds like silly, but by going and like running a fifty mile or running a twenty-two mile on some crazy terrain, it motivates some random person that doesn't run at all. And they're like, hey, I can go walk, run two miles. And I think our what we look at is giving people hope, whether you have cancer, whether you have depression, whether you have anxiety, substance abuse, anything. And I think a huge way to acquire hope is to go outside and like live life and see all the beauty there is get fresh air. I mean, as a medical doctor, there's studies that show head-to-head running versus an antidepressant running does way more for you. So it's just a way to get people up and out and living.
1: Yeah. When did uh, the Brave Light like Gabe Foundation start? When did you guys spearhead that?
2: Yeah. Gabriel started it with those two women in 2018. Um, it kind of happened by chance in a few ways, but she was starting a clinical trial in New York in 2017 and her friend set up a GoFundMe because it was going to be really, expensive i was in residency we didn't have a ton of funds and we we're gonna have to fly to new york and live there every other week for six months like in manhattan so not very economically easy but uh mm-hmm. we ended up meeting an amazing guy or he reached out to her patrick is his name he had a condo on the south end of central park he let us stay up for free so that cut down our cost burden massively um, and then there was a large excess of money from the gofundme that we just put into the foundation to started up. Later, we met Chip Gaines, who put on a big marathon and has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for the foundation.
0: So all those things combined, kind of kickstarted it. It's interesting that as a lifelong runner and like a pretty big running nerd, I first heard about Brave Light Game from Chip Gaines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how does that escape my radar, but I pick it up on HGTV. Yeah, it's awesome hey, that yeah. the mainstream audience got that taste. Yeah,
2: totally. Um, and he's he and Joanne are amazing people. So go ahead, Kurt.
0: No, I was going to say, so
1: I just looked, I, I believe this number is right, but so like last year in 2019, uh, Brave like Gabe raised like $1.5 million. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, I think just under $1.5 million, but it was a big year. That's fantastic. And is that all for osteosarcoma
1: or is it for, and that's, that's the type of cancer Gabe had, G- Gabriel right? Gabriel
2: had adenoid cystic carcinoma. Okay. It's called ACC is like the acronym. So it's all for rare cancer. Any, so- I always butcher the numbers, but it's right around 50% of all diagnoses of cancer are actually rare cancer diagnoses. So it's a huge pot of cancers that are unfortunately relatively neglected, I guess, Um, like pancreatic cancer. uh, uh, Yeah, I mean, there's numerous, numerous, numerous cancers, every pediatric cancer is a rare cancer. Um, So they go to any of the rare cancers, we have kind of a scientific advisory board that is still in development, but that group of oncologists and bench researchers sees kind of low hanging fruit in the rare cancer research field. And then we funnel probably like hundred thousand dollar grants towards that. Um, But osteosarcoma is a cancer that Casey O'Brien, a Minnesota gopher football player has. We are writing them in process happening like now or in the past month. $100,000 $100,000 grant to a researcher at the University of Minnesota who only focuses on that cancer. So all, it's kind of cool. We, as a foundation, I'm the president CEO. I don't get paid by the foundation because I, I have another day job that pays decently, but Sam and Emily don't get paid. So we have zero employees and most foundations that raise like $1.5 million a year have like six to eight employees. We have no overhead. So we have an apparel online store. So we obviously have to buy the t-shirts. Brooks is gracious enough to give us, we get them like below cost. So what would be like a $40 shirt at a running store costs us like $8 and then $2 a screen print. So we have very nice margins on everything. And then we buy stickers, pins, and tattoos. But that's like our whole expense report, which is great from a foundation aspect. Um, And we do need to hire an employee because the workload is a little out of control. So we're doing that which it just needs to happen. Um, But we're hoping we can fund the employee with apparel sales. So still we can say like every hundred percent of every donation goes straight to research. That's rare and incredible. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, in Gabriel's big passion was to make sure all the money was used for research. So we want to keep that alive and yeah, it's a, it's a cool scenario and a cool thing that a lot of, very generous people have afforded us to do.
1: So when, when this started up in 2018 was, was this Gabe's sort of personal mission and she really took ownership over this or was it people rallying around Gabe and forming it along with her?
2: It was really her. So, I mean, she was a world-class runner and she was afforded a various or a very great life from Brooks. She got paid well enough to support us when I was in med school, and residency. Um, she didn't have a day job ever, which is incredible. And as her, unfortunately, her cancer became a bigger part of her life, she still ran, still kicked my button, 200-meter repeats, all those things even. She probably beat me in a 200 two months into chemo. But uh, she realized with all the treatments and surgeries and procedures she was having, it just wasn't realistic to be like a top, I mean, she'd been ranked top 10 in the world in the 1500. She was the 10th fastest American ever when she stopped running at 1500, but she had all this energy and she kept running, but she really just wanted to be an advocate and raise money. So other people had better options than she had moving forward.
1: Uh, And she did all of that while cycling through treatment and everything, training, setting lifetime PRs, even weeks after rounds of chemotherapy, things like that. Yeah. How does how does somebody become that tough?
2: I don't know. She's the toughest person I'll ever meet. I try I hope I got some through osmosis from her by hanging out with her so much over the year. But she's just a tough, stubborn woman who I mean, it's great. She wanted to have the last laugh and the last word with cancer. I mean, it wasn't fair ever, and we'd always gripe with that. Like what could be you look at everyone else who she beat and what they do and It sucks, but instead of feeling sorry for herself, she kind of just gave it the middle finger and said, let's go. Probably the best
0: way you can go about doing that.
1: Yeah. You know, I look at your Instagram posts and I think what you do a really nice job of, Justin, is you do a really nice job of helping like your supporters see things through your eyes. I don't know how else to describe it, but I think like you're super open about like how tough it's been afterwards and like the ups and downs of life you know, as you're trying to move forward and, and you don't, I think a lot of people in your shoes would hide that maybe, and you do a nice job of sharing it, but in a, in like a classy understanding and respectful manner. Do you do that intentionally? Or are you just, are you just wanting to help people understand still that everything is so important with like her mission and her foundation and, and moving forward? Or or I guess, how do you look at that? Like sharing your life with the world after her passing?
2: Yeah, it's it's actually like, it's really, it's funny or weird or I don't know how to describe it, but I think similar timeline, say 2018, 2017, she, Gabriel became very vocal about her cancer via social media and she shared the struggle and the ups and the downs and, but she kept a perspective, like you can never like stay down. It's easy to stay down, but If you stay down, then you never get out of bed and life. I mean, the ultimate staying down is like, say like taking your life or something horrible. But if you can find a way to stay afloat and keep moving forward, that's kind of what she did and continued to do. And I was very, I was moderately uncomfortable with it for the longest time. Um, Just sharing our personal life, sharing, because even reading her posts, A year ago, two years ago, like it, she'd have me like proofread them and I'm terrible at English, (laughs) terrible at all that she was the English major, but it guts you. I mean, it cuts your insides out and it hurts. And it's like, do we really want to like display like our intestines to the world? Because it's enough to live through it, but then to share it. But she was very adamant about that. And in her passing, in the week of her passing, I had the weird option cuz she she was dying like there was no shot at surviving and then she again was like f that i'm going to live another week and like she was we moved her to comfort care there was nothing we could do and she woke up the next morning and she's like what's for breakfast <laughs> which that's just her like tough stubbornness and it came so quick when she was that sick that i didn't get to say goodbye i didn't get to and it was horrible and you think why didn't this idiot say goodbye like she was sick for a long time but you never think it's gonna end. So then she kind of afforded me five days to have all the conversations, the meaningful things. And I got to send a message to the world being like, hey, she's still here, like you can, and the amount of people that reached out to her that whether they had cancer, whether they had depression, the, she had dozens of messages that were like, hey, I was gonna end my life. Like I had a plan and I didn't see any goodness in the world. And I came across your story and saw that with the hand you've been dealt, what you've done. And it gave me the perspective that I think I can push on and I'm running a marathon in a month. And I had never run a 5k before I read your story and like running saved my life. And that's just kind of what I've tried to keep sharing. And it's not, it doesn't have to be running. It's just whatever hand you're dealt in life, if you can continue to move forward in any way possible, just getting out of bed in the morning, that's all I want people that
0: will be able to do as as an outsider who did not know either of you personally, I followed your story as intimately as a a bystander can. And what struck me was the uniqueness of that situation. Now hearing that you were uncomfortable with it adds another layer to it. But the fact that you guys did let all of us in, it was this crazy, like living eulogy, which I, I don't think anyone is not anyone, but very rarely do people get afforded the opportunity to hear their impact on the world while they're still there, present, able to absorb it. Usually people give us these great send-offs once we're gone. And he yeah. was able to get that in the moment. And I can't think of a, a more fitting way for her, again, not knowing her, but from the outsider, it seemed like that was the perfect living eulogy for Gabe.
2: Yeah, it, it was a very fitting send-off. And even more so, it was, yeah, very strangely. But the, everything, I mean, I, I'm like a faithful person, I believe, whether you believe in God or believe in something, I believe like, I don't think it just fades to black all of a sudden and it's over. But the night she passed chip gains again, he was doing this chip chip in challenge where he was raising money for St. Jude, which is a pediatric cancer um, research center and randomly, and we had texted back and forth, but earlier that evening, he's like, F it. I want to raise $500,000 and I'm going to match it. And I, like they were like he was at two hundred thousand dollars and his goal was two fifty and he's like no I want to go five hundred because my friend Gabriel's sick and it just like took off like wildfire and he's like whatever we raise over two fifty I'll match it to Brave Like Gabe and St Jude's so I think he ended up cutting a check for like a few million dollars but all of a sudden it just jumped from two hundred fifty to five hundred to seven hundred fifty to like it was over a million dollars when she passed away which like what a send off to raise a few million dollars for cancer research. And it's like, how do you time in that? And right. But it, it's, all, it's all hard. But she had all sorts of beautiful send-offs, I think, that make, they're comforting for me.
1: You know, I believe her, her Instagram page is still up, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. You want to talk about a woman who's loved, you go read the comments and the posts and the gratitude. And even me, Um, so I have a personal training business and I was in the gym with clients and we run the news on the background. There's no audio. It's just subtitles and it's always kind of there. And even the engagement from my clients and the awareness that, you know, unfortunately like was so heightened by her passing. And, and now it's a, I, I just feel like so many people are aware of what's happening and the foundation and everything moving forward since. And it was just interesting to see how like it spread like wildfire. Like people were talking and they were talking for, especially here in Minnesota, they were talking for, you know, they still are talking and how, how long ago did she pass away?
2: Yeah. Eight, nine months. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been, it's, it's crazy. I mean, one of my emails on my phone, I have like my personal email, then my Brave Like Gabe email, then account at Brave Like Gabe, which every time a piece of apparel is ordered or every time a dollar is donated, that gets emailed. And every day I look at every donation, every apparel, and it gets more and more exhausting because it just keeps growing and it's great. I mean, it's beautiful, but we have a group tomorrow running the LA Marathon. There's around 20 of them. A few of them have been diagnosed with cancer. A few of them have rare cancers. A few of them are just great people that want to raise money because they've been touched by cancer. they've raised $10,000, just this group in LA who never met her, but... They're inspired by the foundation and it's kind of, it's just everywhere. So it's, uh, it's like my Prozac. <laughs> I just, yeah. open, if I'm having a bad day, I open up that email <laughs> account and just start clicking. And I try to send thank yous to people even, cause I'm super grateful for everything that, and it's, I mean, money is interesting. It, like you work hard for everyone works for their money. I mean, some people have inheritance in those things, but mm-hmm it's to give money is meaning it's super meaningful and that's why i say if like everyone just gives like a dollar or something they care about (laughs) like that's it it goes a long ways and i like brave like gabe's amazing i think but if you're doing it for my big stick is to like research the foundation you're donating to make sure they're not (laughs) shitheads because there's bad foundations sadly Mm -hmm. um But once you find a good one you're passionate about, if it's water in Africa, if it's homeless people in the U.S., there's so many different causes, and they're all important. Like, I donate to other, like, Girls on the Run, I think, is a great organization. Um, I love, like, sending them donations because they're getting people out and they're helping people, and I think that saves lives. Like, curing rare cancers isn't going to be easy. That's not, like, a low-hanging fruit. But helping someone that has depression to not end their life It's not easy either, but it's very doable. I, and like, so that's like low hanging fruit to me. So all those things are super important and can have a huge impact.
1: Well, even just think, I mean, you said you received a number of messages Gabe was passing about people who had chosen to, you know, keep pushing on, even if it was one person.
2: No, yeah. Let
1: alone it's even more. So how do you, you only can keep fighting, right? Like pushing, yeah. You know, I think, you know, you you seem to, as far as like, just because I track you on Instagram and Strava, so I kind of have an idea what you're up to. And I think you've done like a pretty good job of like, like living life or at least attempting to still, right? Like, like you, the only way to to step is forward. And like, how is that, like, if you don't mind me asking, like after her passing, like how, how has that transition happened? Like from going from your whole world kind of taken out from under you to deciding to start stepping forward like what was that like for you how did how did you do that
2: yeah i mean it's weird and like i have a weird perspective in life that gabriel afforded me or our relationship afforded me so for from 2017 on she had a large liver mass size of like a little smaller than a cantaloupe so like a large melon and we went to the er we were told that on the ct scan and at that moment like life stopped and it Stopped initially when she had her original cancer diagnosis, but now it was like, "Am I going to die tomorrow? Am I going to die next week?" Until a few days later, we found out a surgeon could try to remove it and likely be successful removing it. And then she had a massive surgery, had it removed, was out of the hospital five days later for her brother's wedding because she's a psychopath and <laughs> like I, well, just yeah. She had this massive surgery, got out, went to the wedding, danced a little bit, but from then on she was going to have a ct scan every 3 months for the rest of her life so we made a pact that every 3 months we're going to go somewhere absolutely beautiful we're going to go to one two three concerts we're going to go to every brewery cuz i love beer we're going to go to every just do everything
1: you're going to see the national
2: yeah national so many times wonderful yeah. wonderful people as well but um i i mean i i was slighted cuz we had three months planned after she passed away you know like she wasn't you never think you're gonna lose someone but the day a couple days after she passed I just needed to leave so I literally drove my car to Aspen Colorado and hung out for a few weeks and the only my coping mechanism is running uphill because I cry less now than I did I mean I still break down all the time like a great place to break downs when you're like sitting next to strangers on a plane and you flip the sunglasses on and the tears start pouring yeah. I're like great I'm sitting next to this psychopath but huh. but um I needed mountains and I needed scenery and I in Minnesota you can only run five minute pace so long but when you're running up a mountain you can crank it feel like you're gonna die catch your breath for a minute then crank it again then, and that's just what I needed and that's kind of what I've been doing. So it's my therapy. It's not so much like oh, the travel is great and going to beautiful places, but it's just I needed to be in mountains and outside, and needed to have four hours of. And it's not any glorious training. You run an hour and you cry for a half hour, and then you start running again. <laughs> and that's just how it how it is. But uh, that's kind of what kept me going, travel wise. And you adjust, you accept it. I think the six to eight month period, I feel like I can smile more and it's not the same, but you Mm -hmm. refine a different happiness. And I still like just going to Patagonia, that was my brother was like, Hey, this is maybe the last time in the next 20 years, I'm gonna be able to go on a sweet two week trip. Will you go to Patagonia with me? And I'm like, yeah, like I, and I would have never really thought about going there. And it's the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life. So I kind of just try to say yes to everything, which isn't always sustainable, but uh,
0: it's how I live right now, I guess. I love that. I really do. I, I think there's there's something in that for everyone, that putting stuff off or avoiding it out of convenience does not enhance you.
2: No. Yeah. That's a huge thing is just, you never know when the candle burns out or, and that's big, our big thing was we didn't have a bucket list. We had like a to-do list. We were just going to get done. But why like, be like, when I turn 80, I'm going to go. And for me, I'm fine to work a lot when I'm 60 to 70 years old, because I'm not going to be crushing trail running or anything. You might be. <laughs> yeah, well, you might be. In my...
0: So with the FKT pursuit, um, what along the way has been just like your most standout moments? We, what I've found is that in the general running community, the, the FKT... Um, going going after it is very much a tip of the spear activity, but that the people below the tip of the spear enjoy getting to the same trails and experiencing it when they hear about it from someone who's gone after it. So what 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 are some of your highlights that you think people need to have on their to do list? FKT uh, stands for fastest known time. We do have a lot of new runners that that listen in, so it's simply running a segment of of trail, a segment of earth faster than anyone else has ever proven to have done it before with GPS.
2: Yeah. So the, it's very, um, FKT is like, it's like a unicorn to me or like the Holy grail. It's a self-imposed, I guess, race that it's not a race. I mean, you're racing humanity or racing, whatever you're, you're racing the clock, you're racing history, um, but you can do it whenever you want. And the Kalalau trail, like we did is absolutely astonishing um, with, with, Latia Albertson-Junkins, Gabriel's best friend, we did, uh, she's another person. She says yes to me every time I ask something, but we did the Timberline Trail. I got to support her. It's a, it circumnavigates Mount hood and absolutely astonishing. It's between 40 and 44 miles. I think it's probably like 42, but it has, I think 11,000 feet of elevation gain and loss and it's every environment you've been in, you're like super exposed on the mountain, then you're in this deep wet forest, then you're on like moon. It's yeah, it's, that's a trail. I think it's a four day through hike basically and astonishingly beautiful. But I, two days ago I was making a list and I have like 15 FKTs I wanna pursue from crazy long stuff. I wanna go for the PCT someday from Mexico to Canada. Um, And for me, it's just, I love being outside and I love I, I mean, it's kind of masochistic, but I love wrecking myself. <laughs> it's,
1: yeah, people get that.
2: Yeah, it, it's therapeutic for me. And I think sharing these trails, um, whether you're going for an FKT, like every person has their own FKT. It doesn't matter that you're the fastest human ever. But if you even like can accomplish the trail, it's beautiful. And there's so much, so many beautiful places. Whether you, like Superior Hiking Trail is a famous Minnesota FKT. I'm hoping to go for that. Um, And it's just, it's a way, fastestknowntime.com is the website, but you can, it's a scatter plot of earth. So I was down in Chile and outside of Santiago, there was one. I was deciding if I was going to run way too cool or take a cab to the end of this trail, like you can take this highway and then you run through this mountain range. It's I think 20 miles with like 11,000 feet of elevation gain and loss. And i was just gonna hop a cab get over there and then run back to the town (laughs) through this mountain range but ultimately i said not to i'm gonna go back and go for it but you can also do okt like only known time which is an fkt Mm -hmm. so you can create them yourself and submit them um so if you have this like beautiful piece of land you found or discovered or trail you can make one and get the fkt someone might come and like someone will break my Kalalao trail fkt and that's awesome if they do it's gonna i'm gonna Get an uh oh, and then I'm gonna fly back over there.
0: So, what are your top three North? Let's let's say North America. Top three that that's where the massive base of our listeners is. What are the three that people need to do in their lifetime?
2: So, let me. I gotta open up my notebook.
0: You got an FKT notebook. I do.
2: (laughs) It's the mark of a
0: true runner. Yeah, you have a notebook just for your PRs.
2: It's. The, I haven't actually done this one, but this is one I'm going to go after in July. I think the four-pass loop, it's outside of Aspen. It's like Aspen-Crested Butte, uh, Maroon Bells area. That's astonishingly beautiful, and it's actually doable. It's got a lot of vert. I think it's 11,000 feet again, but it's only 20 miles. So That's high country there.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very
2: high, but incredibly, mm-hmm. it's very seasonal. You can only do it like July and August.
0: I spent a week in Crested Butte.
2: Awesome, And
0: yeah. and it was, I felt like I was in Switzerland when I was up at yeah. the top of Mount Crested Butte looking out. It's, it's as beautiful as something you'll find. I did not get the FKT there.
2: <laughs> you can go back. We were just talking, I think Timberline is a very classic one. That's the one that circumnavigates Mount Hood. Um, that one is a little scary because there are again like 12 creek crossings and pending the mountain runoff. You probably have to go late August, September, October, but you can get swept in. I mean, there's Karens and you can see where to cross safely, but if you're not smart, you can get in serious trouble in some of those streams. So you just have to be smart and it's hard because you're like racing the clock, but you want to be patient and not kill yourself. Right. But, uh, it's <laughs> important. Good trade off. Right. That'll
1: stop Your FKT in it's tracks.
2: Yeah. And then the other one that I, I scouted last October and to even, Throw my hat in the ring with the name Jim Walmsley is stupid to do, but Jim has rim to rim to rim on the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. And I really want to attack that. He's phenomenal. Um, but FKT's everything's beatable. Like no matter what, there's no, I mean, sure, if Elliot Kipchoge goes and does it, it might not be beatable. We'll find out if he can descend. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, right. Right.
2: But that one's kind of a true suffer fest because. It's the inverted mountain. You go down 7,000 feet, you run across desert. So I did it with a guy that's local, Tom Rand. Oh, you have done it? Not, he was, so this was his bucket list thing. He's a wonderful guy. He's the local Brooks rep. He's a goo rep. Um, Super great to the foundation. But in October, he's like, Justin, I want to do a fundraiser. We, like my whole life, I've wanted to do room to room to room. I'm like, let's do it. So we went out. It was another dramatic experience. So you start at 7,000 feet, it's 20 degrees out, you have like a jacket on, and then you get down to the bottom, the sun pops up, go down 7,000 feet, it's 90 degrees desert, run across the desert, so it's 42 to 44 miles total, then you climb 6,000 feet on the other side, you get to the north rim, it's cold again, there's a water fountain, then you go back down, and then you have to climb 7,000 feet to get out. But he hit a horrible rough patch climbing out, because it was hot as hell, And he had run out of calories way earlier than expected. And silly enough, he was, like, so out of it that he had two liters in his back. But he had handhelds, too. And he never sucked that straw. And I wasn't smart enough to, like, pat him down. So I had to, like, ditch him a mile out and run to the car and get, like, rations because he was done. And we were both, like, that, like, dry salt all over your body, like, not sweating anymore, hadn't urinated. We were out there for, I think... 10 hours and it just became a dramatic day thankfully there's more people hiking like people are giving us bananas and stuff but he he made it out alive but that's when you can get in trouble too because it's so hot down low
0: and there's not a lot of water so so he got back to the car and realized he had two liters left yeah oh man
2: (laughs) (laughs) he felt so bad
0: (laughs) but we've all been there right like whether it's race brain or like bonking badly or starting to like slowly die it's, yeah, you, your mind stops. <laughs>
2: yeah. Isn't,
1: isn't there something about that kind of suffering? I tell this to my athletes when they're kind of being whiny. It's like, does it hurt? Yes. Good. Because it means you're fucking alive. Totally. Like, there is like that type two fun or that misery or that suffering. Like that is actually like the essence and beauty of what we do. Like, is it not like it reminds you, like we're here and breathing. And like, even though some of those experiences sound absolutely miserable, Would you trade him for anything? No,
2: no, definitely not. I mean, a big thing with me too, and like grief and loss and sadness, when you start to feel numb or not feel anything at all, that's like when my hairs stand up and I get scared. Like that's like the despair seeping in. So then you go crush yourself and you feel something again. And that's like what I live for. Exactly. I'd.
1: Yeah, you go tempo run up a mountain, and you're going to be feeling things real quick. Right. Uh, what's uh, what's so? What's in your next? I guess uh, what is it? March here. So, what are your a races in the next six months through like the fall? And what FKTs are you shooting for? Anything we haven't talked about? I'm super curious. Where you're be? Maybe where I can uh, go, hop in one with you. Yeah.
2: So, way too cools tomorrow. It'll be interesting. Um, crash and burn or fly high. We'll see. It's fun either way. Um, I think it'll be a good race then lake sonoma is april 11th 50 mile golden ticket race super loaded
0: field explain the golden ticket for the for the layman out there
2: yeah so there's i think right now there's five golden ticket races um lake sonoma is only 50 mile then there's 300 kilometer races then there's one in georgia that i really want to do it's like 60 to 70 miles it's called the georgia death race oh yeah we're familiar with that oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah we're familiar with the death race yeah, yeah.
2: so um These are races picked by Western states where they allot two like Willy Wonka-esque golden tickets where if you finish top two, you get a ticket and a free entry into Western states, which is the most prestigious, I'd say, U.S. 100-mile race. Leadville's super awesome. Hard Rock's awesome. But probably the most sought-after 100-mile race in the U.S. um, that happens in June. So Sonoma is... Golden ticket or bust, and then
1: is that, is that what you're really thinking about on your training runs? Like that um, one, like that's what you're thinking about when yeah, you need to suffer. Yeah, to get there. Okay.
2: Yeah, and I think, it like I said, Bandera, I set myself up really well. I was actually having like a phenomenal day and rolled my ankle, which was too bad. But I, it got the fire really burning, and I, yeah, I'm all in on Sonoma. If that doesn't happen. The golden ticket then it's going to be a summer of handful of fkts um there's a yeah i'd love to collab on an fkt or find something fun to go attack but uh
1: superior let's go up to superior the superior
2: trail i'm down well, I'm, what, yeah. what's the stats on that one 310 miles north to south god knows how much elevation gain and lost and pretty technical in spots i think the best okay. time to do it is uh early fall because less bugs and less overgrown, or late fall, early fall, probably October-ish would be the send-off date.
0: But but then you run into leaves, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And off. then you roll. And that's your that's pretty
0: technical, isn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah. What's the what's what's the fastest known time on that?
0: It just got set
2: like two or three times this summer. A guy named Austin. It's like six days and eight hours, but I think you could do it in four days. And I know some of the like fancy Courtney DeWalter wants it eventually mm-hmm. and she'll price it. she'll set it out right she's tougher yeah. than most humans so yeah. um Courtney wants it I think Steph Howe also she's a local Minnesotan who has had huge success in trail running she we talked about she may pursue it there's a lot of people and a lot of sponsors now are getting super excited about FKTs um where you can get like written in your bonus contract going for fkts which is super cool and they're like trying to make documentaries out of them and all sorts of stuff
0: kirk and i we can can get together a couple minnesota guys i'm in wisconsin so we're close by we could we could crew you yeah no that so or pace you
2: yeah not super announced i announced it a little bit on instagram but uh chip again the sweetheart he is he's uh pimping out a van for me like a live-in van that i've named the fkt machine that's awesome. That, uh, I, It's going to launch in April. It's going to be a live-in van with two beds, like full kitchen. And hopefully it'll be the like support crew for some of these longer FKTs where you just drive it up 50 miles, have some food and beer out, take a quick nap, hop back out on the trail. So I'm super excited about that.
1: That's how you know you're a junkie when you have a van. <laughs> yeah. Like once you have a van, like you are in so deep, like you are not coming out. Totally. like that you are too in, yeah. Definitely. That's fantastic. And then you can drive your van to Aspen next time you have the inkling and live out of that thing. And huh? try it. Cheap round. <laughs> um, so Justin, uh just over an hour, hour fifteen here. Um, anything we didn't ask you that you you want the people to to hear, know anything that we haven't covered today that you want to get out there? No,
2: I think we covered a lot. I mean, again, just all the, like you said, all the ripples from Brave Like Gabe, all the support, The we're incredibly grateful for it. And it's now become, it's become like a community of people, which is cool. It's a hashtag, like it's an at sign, whatever. We have, our slogan is running on hope. And to me, running is running. Like I, I literally run on hope, but I also think running on hope as in like your car runs on gas, being fueled by hope and whatever you do. And um, no matter how hard life gets, finding some silver lining and some like little piece of hope somewhere is super important. And I think no matter what, it's always out there.
1: You're probably a shining example of that right now,
2: aren't you? (laughs) I hope so. I I try to be, but I mean, everyone has their dark days and hard days and you just got to keep pushing forward.
1: Brad, can you have any bell lap questions
0: for sir justin no he wrapped that up perfectly i don't want to i don't want to taint that that summary right there
1: <laughs> so uh when the uh when the snow melts here we got a warm weekend in minnesota just keep an eye on your uh, meat grinder at KT. <laughs> I as soon as wait. that trail trail opens up
2: justin i can't wait
1: cool man and where can people find you and if they want to donate to the foundation or read up on it where can people go
2: yeah bravelikegabe.org is the easiest way to read up on it or bravelikegabe.org donate or bravelikegabe.org slash store. I mean, my big thing, donations are awesome, but when people buy the apparel and wear it, and I I was in Charles de Gaulle Airport in France and a lady had a running on hope shirt on. And it's like, that's awesome. Like, how cool is that? We've sold thousands of pieces of merchandise and people like ask about it. They're like, oh, what's that mean? And it's just a cool, it just spreads hope, I think. So I love just when people get apparel, but uh, you can find me on the trails, find me in cool tomorrow. (laughs)
0: That's right. Good luck out there. Thank you. We'll be tracking you.
2: Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, thanks for chatting, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You guys are great.